Let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be accepted, acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Okay, today's uh, title, officially, Disciple 1.5, fifth in our series, six actually, because it's 1.0. Okay, His Majesty's waiting, dragging for the slide to come on. Us, sacred servants. Right, warning. This sermon introduction is rated XL. Can please show XL. It's not my body type. XL stands for, depending on your dialect, extra long, extra leche, or extra loso. Let me just choose. But please bear with me. Hopefully you will see why in the end. Now, I want to introduce you to one of my favoritest Christian books. Please show the book. The title is The Philippian Fragment by Calvin Miller. Those of my generation will know him as the author of the Singer and Song Trilogy. But never mind. Firstly, to say it is a work of fiction. A work of fiction. But purports to be a long-lost 2nd century manuscript of the early church. And there are supposed to be letters from Eusebius, the pastor or bishop of the church in Philippi, to his friend Clement, pastor or bishop of the church in Coos, spelled C-O-S, and that's not Church of Our Saviour in Singapore. This is how it begins, with slight, which is, and I've done slightly, slightly redacted. The first epistle is entitled The Assuming of a New Pastorate. Eusebius, a newly appointed bishop of Philippi, to Clement, pastor of Coos, peace and joy and kindness of Christ possess you. I have newly arrived at my parish and am delighted at the response I have received. There is no joy quite so effervescent as a new pulpit responsibility. Everyone loves my sermons and most are generous in telling me so. The church and I are like newlyweds. We love each other with a kind of ecstasy that can only grow in fervor. At one point in the sermon, they all broke out in applause. One dear sister tells me every week that my sermons are getting better and better. Last week, I finally met Brother Glandus of the congregation in Docinius. It is not a large assembly, and he has been a pastor there for several years. Some are apparently a little weary of his preaching. I only wish he could have a little of the rapport I feel with my flock here in Philippi. Pastor Glendus is in jeopardy. His congregation often protests that he is putting them to sleep. His tonus is mono and his tempest is longest. He's a fine pastor, but his preaching is a persecution of the saints. The days are hard on Glandus. I sense in him the frustration of the disinterest he creates merely by standing up. He went on a short vacation and the church was packed in his absence. There is some truth to the adage that Interest is the key to love. Certainly, the church is more than a 40-minute sermon. The church is the body of Christ. 
But boredom is the enemy of fellowship. Flanders is telling the truth, but he takes longer than necessary to tell it. Flanders must tell the truth more quickly. If he needs a model, let him remember that our Lord's Sermon on the Mount took only about 18 minutes to preach. So you see, the more things change, the more they remain the same. It would seem that the early church had the same problems that plague us today in the modern church. Well, what I really need to you read to you near uh, what I really need to read to you very hard to say is actually from the third epistle entitled Bacchus and the problem of too much commitment. You heard it right, too much commitment. Here goes. Occasionally, I find a person who gives more to Christ than what Christ wants. Some of these give him more credit than our dear Lord would prefer. I remember a sister who felt that she was a great Christian poet. In her zeal, she would read selection after selection of her work in the assembly, and after each reading, she would demurely say, The Holy Spirit gave me this poem. I take no credit for it myself. There was a widespread belief in the fellowship that the Holy Spirit didn't want credit for it either. <laughs> My latest problem is Bacchus the Basso. He recently came to our assembly choir from the country chapel of Bithynia. He boasted of being the best bass in the Bithynian Brotherhood, having bested all the bassos in the back country. Well, I got through that. How shall I liken his control and delivery? He's loud and deafening, like a clap of thunder in a stone tomb. His softness isn't soft, his vibrato doesn't vibrate, and his precision is imprecise. All these qualities are not as disturbing as his main affliction, his dedication. He testified in the assembly that he just had to sing for Jesus. By heaven, Clement, he'll have the Almighty with his fingers in his ears. And all the while, he feels that he's doing heaven a service. I've tried to dissuade him from using his gift. One elder suggested he try ushering. <laughs> no reflection on the ushers. Some are praying that the Lord will heal him with laryngitis. Others are coping by arriving after the music is over, just in time for the sermon. If Bacchus continues, worship is done for in Philippi. The rodents left the building three solos ago, and soon the congregation will join the race of the rats. Willingness is an important quality in the life of a believer. It speaks against those who have gifts but are too stingy to make them usable. Have you noticed that the greatest gifts often sit silent in a church, while the poorest are exercised often, and as in this case at hand, in extreme? I remember a certain alto sister. She loved our Lord and sang violently to his glory. It may seem incredible, but she also was from the back country of Bith Bithynia. She would have perished in the first wave of persecution, but singing as she did, at the hour of her death, the lions would not go near her. We were finally able to divert her talents into charity work among the earless lepers in Kenkrea. End of introduction. I warned you, a bit lost, all right. So you may wonder, what's the point of all this? Well, Pastor preaches Greek sermons. This today's S. S for sermons, S for service. And particularly as a disciples pass section of this uh, <clears throat> the workbook says it's gifts-based service, GBS, gifts 
base service. And let's not miss the point in the midst of all that humor. Listen again. Willingness is an important quality in the life of a believer. It speaks against those who have gifts but are too stingy to make them usable. Have you noticed that the greatest gifts often sit silent in church while the poorest are exercised often in extreme? See, there are two great challenges in the church. Number one, change slide, those who serve... <laughs> waiting, waiting, ah, okay. Those who serve in areas not according to their spiritual gifts. Those who serve not according to their spiritual gifts. And number two, those who have spiritual gifts but do not serve at all. These are two great challenges. What does the Bible have to say about service with and, and spiritual gifts? So, following the workbook, less than more, we need to say all Christians are ministers. But don't get too arrogant because in the Bible, minister or diakonos, Waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay. Uh, means, just means servant. 1 Peter 2 talks about the priesthood of all. I repeat, all believers. No exemptions, no exceptions. So therefore, all are to serve through spiritual gifts. All Christians have at least one spiritual gift. How do I know? The Bible says so. 1 Corinthians 12 is definitive. And the other two passages that help are Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. It's all in the workbook. So let's listen to excerpts from 1 Corinthians 12. I repeat, it is definitive. These are the words of Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members, of, members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. From Romans 12, Paul writes this. Romans chapter 12. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Ephesians 4, um, though it's only 14, up, uh, 15 and 16, I'll read from, is that 15? Only verse 16 is up there, I'll read from verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, what do we have? What do we have? Number one, the church is structured like a human body. 
All Christians form part of the body of Christ. God has arranged all of us within the body as he sees fit. The body functions through spiritual gifts and it only functions properly when each part is working properly or as the KJV puts it, as each part does its work. It means the same thing, only KJV is a bit more poetic. Now this is the goal of the church as the body of Christ. Say again, this is the goal of the church as the body of Christ. And this is what service means. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Romans 12 One body, many members, and not all have the same function. Having gifts that differ, let us use these gifts. And Ephesians 4 As each part does its work. This is the biblical basis for gifts-based service in the church, the body of Christ. seems to me that one major problem may be our understanding, rather misunderstanding, of the word member. How many of us shop at fair price? Okay. Go count, you go to the checkout. What do they ask you? Price? No, what do they ask you? Member? Still do it, right? Member? Member? Member. Now, because we are so brainwashed by member, 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 and not fries, um, the word here we know, uh, when the Bible says we are all members of the body of Christ, the word does not refer to church membership. It is not membership in an organization or institution. Very important for you to understand. The New Testament word here, translated member, is the word melos. Melos, which means the limb of a body. Therefore, it means body part. Member means body part, like a limb, an organ, a finger, eye, hair, foot, kidney, liver, intestine. Did you get that? Huh? Please. So when you hear member here, it's not church member, huh? Uh, not NTUC member either. So church, not church membership, but body part. Now all of us instinctively know that if any part of the body does not function properly or fails, how bad it can be. So 1 Corinthians 12.27 should actually read, You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a body part. I hope you will never make the mistake again. Repeat, for the body of Christ to function properly, each part must do its work through spiritual gifts. Remember what the fragment said? Have you noticed that the greatest gifts often sit silent in the church while the poorest are exercised in extreme? How about here? How about us here at AMKMC? What's the biblical solution? seems to me, there's <clears throat> only one word. It's servanthood. Servanthood. That's the solution. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 20, reading from verse 25, although you have 26 only up there. Jesus called them to him and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, 
and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be a kingdom of God, great servanthood. New Testament words here, diakonos, we saw earlier, servant, doulos, slave. It's quite clear. Because why? The whole basis is that Jesus is servant. Servanthood, therefore, is the key. That's why the psalmist says, what did we just sing, Louis? One day in your... Ah. Actually, it's more stark. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to spend thousand days in the tents of wickedness. You see the contrast there? You'd rather be a doorkeeper. That's the spirit of servanthood. Doorkeeper. What is biblical servanthood in the Wesleyan tradition? Listen to these words from the Wesleyan Covenant Renewal Ritual. Um, how many of us were at watch night service? So few, huh? You better come next time. You said this vow, not in the same words, have you kept your promise? Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy, others are difficult. Some bring honour, others bring reproach. Some are suitable to our natural inclinations and material interests. Others are contrary to both. In some we may please, us, please Christ and please ourselves. In others, we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Yet the power to do all these things is given to us in Christ who strengthens us. Our response, I am no longer my own but yours. Your will, not mine, be done in all things. Wherever you may place me, in all that I do and in all that I may endure, when there is work for me and when there is none, when I am troubled and when I am at peace, your will be done. When I'm valued and when I'm disregarded, when I find fulfillment and when it is lacking, when I have all things and when I have nothing, I willingly offer all that I have and am to serve you as and where you choose. This is biblical servanthood in the Wesleyan tradition. You know what it looks like in real life? Well, let me take a few moments to honour the servanthood of pastor's spouses. Pastor's spouses. Long time ago, I would have said pastor's wives, but now there are many lady pastors who are married, so I've got to use pastor's spouses. And by the way, what is the plural of spouse? To be spice, right? <laughs> because mouse, mice. If not, it would be mouse and mouses. So, spouse, spice, huh? Make sense or not? I know, anyway, I don't know. <coughs> Tribute to pastors, spice, or spouses. Uh, and since it's not kosher for me to talk about my own spouse, I'll talk about the spouse of another uh, pastor. The spouse of a former pastor at EMKMC. No names mentioned, lest the reward in heaven is jeopardized. But if you know, you know. 
If you don't know, it's also okay. This person, very anonymously and faithfully, quietly, would come at the end of the week, uh, often Saturday afternoon, I think, and go through all the pews to make sure that the hymnals and Bibles were in place. Almost every week. Without fanfare, without recognition. Um, simple task, but the faithfulness and humility speak so clearly and significantly about servanthood in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a tribute to pastors' spouses. Also, <clears throat> a tribute to recognize those who serve in teaching ministries, as we have dedicated them today. Those who are faithful every week or whenever they can, children's ministry, YM, cell leaders, these are the people also uh, engaged in servanthood. Final example. I tried to corroborate this, but have found it not possible. It's from different sources, word for word, but I cannot corroborate it. You know, Even went to Snopes, there's no uh, material. But it goes like this. In 1953, reporters gathered at the Chicago railway station waiting to meet the 1952 Nobel Peace Prize winner. This person was quite tall, six foot four, bushy hair, and large moustache. Uh, don't show a picture first. Reporters were excited to see him, of course, and expressed what an honour it would be to meet him. With the cameras flashing, compliments were being expressed. But seeing beyond all the adulation, this visitor noticed an elderly African-American woman struggling to carry her large two suitcases. So he said to the crowd, Excuse me. And he went to help this woman. Picking up her suitcases, he escorted her to the bus and then apologized, returned and apologized to reporters for keeping them waiting. This person, please show a picture in case someone can recognize. Anyone can recognize? Albert Schweitzer. Dr. Albert Schweitzer, missionary, musician, um, humanitarian, theologian, some people even say inventor spent his life helping <coughs> the poor and sick in Africa at uh, the station called Lembrene. And why I told this story is recorded that the member of the committee that, or the group that welcomed him remarked to one of the reporters, that's the first time I ever saw a sermon walking. That's the first time I ever saw a sermon walking. There's a movie called Dead Man Walking, right? Now maybe a Christian should counter that with a movie called Servant Walking. Author unknown, but never mind. A Sermon Walking. To me, that's the litmus test of biblical servanthood. Through gift-based service in the body of Christ. Uh, by the way, how do we discover spiritual gifts? There are a number of uh, tests, programs, courses, even spiritual gift inventories. And of course, they are helpful. But it seems to me that the most effective way is what I call the ATAS method. ATAS, A-T-A-S. Apply, try, and see method. This means that you don't try and find out your gift and then start service. But as you begin to serve in different areas, in humility, 
in the spirit of servanthood, God will lead you to find out what your spiritual gifts really are so that you can most effectively serve the body of Christ. A sermon walking. True Christian servanthood. Only then we will be what the title says. His Majesty's Sacred Service. Not Secret Service, not James Bond. His Majesty's Sacred Servants. Because we are Christ followers, we want to be Jesus' true disciples. This is who we are. This is what we do. Jean-Luc Picard would say, make it so. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, we confess that it's so easy to deceive ourselves in serving. Um, how we may serve with mixed motives and not pure motivation. How we may impose our gifts and commitment on others and how we may fail to serve effectively with the gifts you have given to us and worse still, how we may not serve at all even though you have given to us through your grace these spiritual gifts. Help us to amend, O Lord, and not only repent but commit ourselves to true Christian servanthood that we may indeed be sermons walking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.